Write to be read podcast, episode number two. Interview with historical fiction writer Tony Riches. You are listening to the Write to be read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Write to be Read podcast. Today, I'm interviewing a historical fiction writer, Tony Riches. Tony lives with his wife in southwest of Wales, one of the most unspoiled areas of the UK. Like many authors, he began writing short stories and contributing to a range of magazines. His first novel, Queen's Sacrifice, was written after looking into the early history of Wales. His non-fiction books have reached number one in their Amazon category and have sold well across Europe. Hi, Tony. Uh, Hi. Welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. Uh, I'm really happy to have you here. Um, and um, let's um, talk about writing. Let's talk about uh, authors and how to inspire the newbie authors to go ahead and write themselves. So uh, what I would like to start with is um, a bit of a background. Let's go back and see uh, who was Tony before he became a writer. Yeah, I, I suppose I was always writing, really, because I used to write magazine articles. And um, every month I was published in some kind of magazine for as long back as I can remember. And then uh, when Wikipedia really started having some credibility. I became a Wikipedia reviewer, which means that I used to go in and help new authors on Wikipedia and show them how to do references and all of that kind of thing. But also I used to review questionable articles on Wikipedia and had special rights where I could block them or remove them or whatever. So that was really quite a good basis for actually writing books. Okay, I see. And do you, by any chance, remember your very first writing experience? I mean, how did you start writing, actually? The, the very Maybe it, it was at school, writing a poem or whatever it was, like the, the very first thing you can remember from it. Yes, it was a, a magazine article, and it, it was about, uh, it was historical. It was about Sir Walter Raleigh, and um, I was trying to find a different angle about Sir Walter Raleigh than everybody was taught at school. And really it's interesting because that's what I'm still doing today is very much the same kind of thing, is taking really um, legendary history things and then looking for new angles on them that people won't expect. Okay, and how old were you when you wrote that first article? Oh, um, quite young actually, um, mid-twenties, something like that. Okay, so you, you're, uh, we can say that you're a very experienced writer. You've been doing this since years, last. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so how many books do you have by now? You, you write fiction, right? Your I books write are both. I've, I've got um, eight books on Amazon, of which uh, three are novels, full-length novels, mm -hmm. and five of them are non-fiction books. Okay. And I, actually, I actually started off... Um, with a very successful non-fiction book on agile project management, which really took off in America. And uh, that really gave me the encouragement to start thinking about novels. I see. So, so all your books are self-published as far as I understand. Yes. Um, I did start submitting my first novel to publishers and getting into discussions. And then I realized I really like having complete control of the process 
-hmm. and not having to wait a year while they think about it. Because in that year, I could be published and getting on with the next one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I see this tendency that many authors actually uh, now, since uh, they have this great opportunity of being self-published, they usually choose that route because I have a feeling that most of the writers are very impatient and they really seek to, to put their work out there. And did you have any writer's doubts in the beginning, uh, like oh, the, those thoughts coming into your head that the writing isn't good enough or who will be reading it? Will they like like it or not, uh, being scared of bad reviews or something like that, or no? I think all of those. Um, I started off with nonfiction because I was scared of writing dialogue. Uh -huh. Dialogue is really <laughs> tricky if you've never done it. And uh, in all the magazine articles I'd written, there was never any dialogue. Uh -huh. And um, it, it is a challenge to get it right. And even now, what I've started doing, somebody showed me a trick, is you can get a word to read it back to you aloud. Uh -huh. and that's quite interesting because uh, it's quite sophisticated now and it actually emphasizes words according to the punctuation and things like that. Um, I think everybody worries about reviews. My new novel um, has had reviews at both ends of the scale, you know. And one yeah. person said... Um, It should be three times the length, which would make it over a thousand words. Mm -hmm. And um, I should just ignore that. But it kind of nags at the back of your mind. So that's actually inspired me to set, a, set out on a trilogy now. Uh -huh. So my next book is going to be three books as a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, it's quite healthy to be a little bit... Um, aware of your own limitations because that helps you to keep developing doesn't it yeah I suppose if, if you thought you'd really got it all sorted yeah uh, it, it makes you want to write better and to strive for excellence and and you, yes. you you work on yourself a bit more and when you're too self-confident then it kind of uh, negatively impacts uh, the quality of the writing at the end maybe i don't know Uh, on the other hand, it's it's great to get a really good review. I had one yesterday out of the blue of my first novel, which was is two years old now, and just somebody bought it and did a really nice review, and uh, it was such a surprise, you know, because I'd I'd half forgotten that people are still buying that and reading it as a new book. I feel it's quite old now, two years old, <laughs> but uh, it just it's it's good. Yeah, but I, those reviews really, you know, warm you up from inside, and uh, it's yeah. it's it's very exciting to get those reviews because I think in the very beginning, when you write your first book, you never know if you will ever get these kind of uh, five star reviews with a very emotional and nice feedback. So uh, I I think uh, that sometimes um, these kind of honest reviews are even uh, better than uh, the sales figures actually because. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they they create this e emotional um, link with the reader, so you end up knowing that they they got what you've written. So I think that's very important too, uh, which I don't know, since you've written fiction and nonfiction together and you can compare those, I mean, since the processes are a bit different and the marketing of those books are a bit slightly different too, um, do you have this emotional uh, connection with your readers uh, in, in case of nonfiction books? Um, it's an interesting question. I don't think it's quite an emotional connection. It's more of a 
professional connection because um, particularly with the project management book, that's put me in contact with a huge network of project managers around the world, mm-hmm. which has been quite exciting. And of course, they, they're all they're all real people with backstories, and quite a lot of them uh, would like to write novels as well and things like that. Okay, so uh, did you actually uh, are your nonfiction books part of your business? Do they lead to? Uh, follow-up projects or do you have a follow-up things like online courses or consulting or things like that connected to your non-fiction books or they are just you know books which you sell no uh, my my future plan is to really establish myself as a historical fiction author mm-hmm. and so the non-fiction books are useful in that they they all address different niches So one of my principles is that every single book I write um, uniquely fits into a niche Mm -hmm. where there is very little or absolutely no competition for it. And that's quite interesting for anybody that wants to make it as a new author is to find that niche where um, if you search for a book about um, Warwick, for example, my new novel about Richard Neville, there are none. There are no novels at all. Mm-hmm. Except for mine, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'll tell you very quickly a little story about um, I was watching the final space shuttle mission on television live mm-hmm. and on NASA TV, actually. It was live um, returning back to Earth at night. And I thought, um, this is a real bit of history. Uh, it'd make an interesting book. Mm-hmm. And um, I searched, and there were no books about the final space shuttle mission at all uh-huh. at the time. And so I contacted NASA Media Center, and I said, uh, would you help me with the research and allow me to use images and stuff? And they were really, really helpful. So they accredited me as a um, journalist, effectively. And then mm-hmm. the whole book was based on information provided by NASA Media Center, And it just goes to show that's sold um, around the world every month since I published it. And that's quite interesting in itself, isn't it? That it's um, multi, multi-genre authorship is achievable for anybody, I think, if they want to. Yeah, it's very interesting because I think that we have this stereotype that being a writer is and writing is a lonely process and it's just you and your thoughts and, and uh, your computer these days and or, or notebook and pen, etc. But uh, here in, in, in your story, we have the example where, where there are other people who can help out and it's not really, I mean, you, you can not uh, limit yourself into being... Uh, just yourself and your book you can look for other options and you can look for uh, supporters and and get some information which will later on lead you to something much bigger and the idea itself came mm. out of uh, um, I mean I think that's what uh, how writers are different because the ideas come from everywhere and uh, you know other people might not even think about you know f- might watch the program and then go on with their lives never think about writing about that so writers tend to uh, find ideas almost everywhere and um, so this time it was the tv program but uh, where usually you get the inspiration and ideas for your books is it uh, real life stories or or uh, tv or uh, i don't know where 
where is the most uh, usual places where you are looking for ideas? I think it's things that I'm genuinely interested in. So it would be impossible really to write a, a really engaging book about something that you didn't care about, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I'll give you another quick example uh, that um, Scott, uh, when he went to the South Pole, he sailed in a ship um, which nobody had written a book about, and I was interested in the ship. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the ship was called Terra Nova. It's been quite interesting on Amazon because there was a TV series called Terra Nova, and I think people were searching for the TV series, and they found my book. Uh-huh. And um, whether they bought it by mistake or what, I don't know. But uh, that's an example of another niche thing. And um, one of the things I was going to mention to you, actually, was that if we go back to uh, fiction writing and how do people make a successful start, one of the biggest challenges is the discipline it takes to write um, I don't know, I'm just thinking of how many, 100,000 words before you edit it. Mm -hmm. I normally go for 100,000 and then edit it down to 90-something mm -hmm. or 80-something. And I, I latched in when I was writing my first novel to NaNoWriMo. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yes, National? I, I, I did it for it? two years. Yes, uh, I'm, I managed to do it on uh, 2012 and 2013. So I wrote both my novels with NaNoWriMo. It's, it's really good for uh, yeah. accountability, actually. I'd recommend it to anybody because... Like you say, it can be a lonely life, can't it? Um, just typing away and wondering if you're getting it right. And the discipline of writing 50,000 words in 30 days mm -hmm. um, and not having to care about whether they're good or bad or whether the dialogue is convincing. Um, the good thing is that there's a, a huge community out there, isn't there, which is very supportive. Yes, yes. And um, I never used to use Google+, Plus, for example, but now I've got an enormous um, NaNoWriMo community on Google+, Plus, where we're in contact probably a couple of times a week with ideas and stuff about um, things where people are having problems or where we're exchanging um, blog posts and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. So for, for our listeners, for those who don't know, NaNoWriMo is a national novel, uh, November writing month, novel writing month. Or November That's writing right. month. National Novel Writing Month, National which is Novel in November. Yeah. So it's uh, at uh, nanorimo.org, the website. And uh, starting from the 1st of November, all writers uh, log in and start uh, punching words. And they have to finish 50,000 words in 30 days during November. So it's, it's a platform, it's a website where all writers unite. Uh, they have very helpful forums. You can uh, check uh, your idea, you can get feedback, you can have uh, support. And it's, uh, they have a stats page as well, so you can see um, how you are doing mm. and uh, if, if you are in the right speed to finish on time or not. So it's it's a really good place to start writing your first book because you get the support and uh, you get the accountability you need. So even if you don't feel like writing at that day, at least you will do something to make sure you manage on time. There's a, there's a good bonus as well in that if you succeed in writing the 50,000 words, they send you a, a, a voucher for CreateSpace so that you can have a, 
a box of um, novels at discounted price. Yes, they uh, have. Which is really good, isn't it? Absolutely. And they have uh, many other discounts on uh, author-related uh, things like uh, software or membership of paid sites, etc. So every year the package is different, but everything is related to what authors might need. Um, so it's it's a good encouragement uh, to to finish on time. So it, and and we're talking about the first draft. So it doesn't have to be a decent yeah. novel. It's just the first draft to work on later on. So you can uh, finish it, polish it, edit it later on. So you just need to have the first draft ready. And the first drafts never have to be perfect. So it's it's still fine. Um, okay. So uh, what about um, how is it? Uh, since uh, again you can compare fiction and non-fiction which books are um, doing better actually you can compare the situation in the market and how are you acquiring readers for your books both for fiction and non-fiction yeah that's that's been a real challenge for me because um, I had no idea when I started how to go about it mm -hmm. and I decided a good principle would be uh, I would never pay anybody any money I would mm -hmm. do everything that I could for free and mm -hmm. see how far I could get with that. As yeah. a bit of a experiment, really, I've tried uh, YouTube videos to promote mm -hmm. my books, mm -hmm. and I've tried um, Twitter campaigns. I even recently I've been experimenting with Facebook. Um, but what I've found is the one single thing that makes a big difference is my writing blog and blog posts, mm -hmm. and the way that I've learned that that works best is to find a, an author that's got a new book coming out mm -hmm. and to invite them to guest post on your blog, but encourage them to say something about why they write and how they write and even where they write because mm -hmm. people find that really interesting and it engages them on a more emotional level. Mm -hmm. And when people visit the people that are guest posting, their readers come to my writing blog, you see? Yeah. And then they start exploring and they discover my books that way, which is quite a nice way of doing it, I think. Okay, so you are promoting other authors' books and like that getting traffic of people who eventually yes. discover your book later on. Yes. And um, recently you had a really big success with one of your books. I remember you had a Facebook status post uh, saying that you sold over a thousand copies. Yes. Uh, was it the result of a certain strategy or, I mean, uh, how did you get these uh, sales results? Uh, what, what, it was, uh, what was done to, to get there? Yes, um, what I did, that's almost the culmination of everything I've learned so far because um, I'd seen lots of ideas about how to do novel launches mm -hmm. and um, I had questions about some of the things that people are doing, which is kind of overexposure of the novel too early on mm -hmm. before it's built up any kind of reader base. So I think the important thing is to um, make sure that you've got everything ready so that when your novel is published, you've got you've identified which are the ideal places to guest post about it, mm -hmm. yeah, and have a promotional video ready, and to have some free copies to give away to the right reviewers, and then um, what I also do, which has been very successful, is that 
it's, it's a lot of people do it now, is in the back of all the other books, I put a promotion for the new book. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the beauties of um, uh, online publishing, whether it's um, ebooks or paperbacks, is that I can update them in five minutes. Yeah. And um, within less than 24 hours, people are buying um, the promotional material for the new book. Mm-hmm. And um, that has worked extremely well because in the new book, I put um, effectively trailers for my previous two novels. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a, a surge in sales of those um, since the new book was published. So that's because it's very hard to tell sometimes what works and why. Mm-hmm. And um, you can be wondering exactly what led to a sudden increase in sales or a sudden drop in sales. All you see is the figure, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes, uh, if you don't do, if you don't change too many of the variables at once, then uh, you can actually see what is the cause of a change in um, readership growth. Okay, and and these days it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because the it, the market is so crowded because of this yeah. uh, easy entry barrier, uh, the low barrier. Uh, anyone can write a book and publish it. So it's it's not really something like um, years ago when you had to get an agent first, and then the agent had to get a publisher for you, and then the publisher had to spend a year or even more to to have your book ready and print it out and distribute to bookstores etc so it took ages plus it was it wasn't open to everyone so uh, these days uh, because of the easiness of uh, becoming an author we ended up with very crowded market and the competition is very big so I think your strategy of writing books which uh, basically don't have any similar books around and yeah. are the only options if a person is interested in the Topic. I think that's uh, that's the best at this stage because, uh, well, maybe it's difficult to find those topics <laughs> because <laughs> people virtually write about everything. But it seems that you managed to find those. It's interesting that you say that because um, there's a, probably an apocryphal tale about a Victorian inventor that killed himself because everything had already been invented. <laughs> and it's a bit like that with books these days is that I could forgive an author particularly a new author who thought that everything had been done and there was nothing left to do you know but actually the truth is um, if you just take um, as I've done just take history and you can take any period of history and of course um, what we know of that time is written by the people that survived and won Mm -hmm. and um, is colored by all sorts of uh, social and political perspectives and if you actually go back to the source material any your own your own country's history anywhere at all um, can there's a fascinating story behind it all which possibly hasn't been told uh-huh. yes. so there's a there's a huge um, resource of untapped um, stories still to be found if people bother to look okay yeah I can see what you mean. So uh, now that you have been writing since such a long time and you have uh, so many books, uh, um, now that you know things much better because you've tried different things, uh, what would you do differently when you were starting? Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, I waited far too long and I was 
not sure that I could actually write a whole book. Mm-hmm. It's quite daunting, isn't it? You've done it. And you know, you start out on page one and you think, this could take the rest of my life, you know? Well, it's, and, I, I um, think that's, that's the issue. The, the, the main and the most important and difficult part is making the first step. So yeah. uh, I, I had a feeling, at least that's what happened to me, that more I wrote, easier it became. So, you know, you, you sit yeah. there, you have the global idea, but you don't know the details, you don't know how to f- continue you just start your first paragraph and somehow it leads to the second one and to the third one and you end up getting uh, really uh, obsessed by the story and and it kind of it leads you itself the characters and and the storyline it it uh, it happens uh, and and you just have uh, to to make the time and the commitment to write it down so uh, in the beginning it's very scary you don't even imagine that it can become so easy but it's about starting actually and continuing writing no matter uh, whether you think it's good or bad there's a a good thing I I read somewhere once which is that a page a day is a book a year so Mm -hmm. if you can actually just write that one page every day uh, however busy you are um, writing one page and not worrying too much about how perfect it is because there are always people that will help you edit it Sure. Um, that's that's how to do it, and I think my novels have taken me on average about a year each to do, including the research. So it works that idea. Yeah, I think uh, thinking about uh, how good or bad is the quality of the text is. Uh, too early at that stage when you are starting because its its place is uh, later on in, in further more advanced stages once you have the first draft ready. And uh, I don't think it should become an excuse of, of not continuing or not completing the manuscript. Because, for example, I, I'm writing in English and English is not my native language. And, of course, my first drafts are, are much, much worse. And I, I uh, end up asking for help and uh, getting editor work on the text because it's, it's, it's in for, written in foreign language. But still, uh, I, I, at the end, you, you end up with a book and with a decent one. So I don't think that uh, um, the doubts of uh, how good it will be at the end should stop people uh, from starting to write because if they have a story, they should they should uh, write it and share it with with others, I guess. Yes. Okay, and um, so um, imagine someone who who has a story in his mind, but uh, parallel to that has all those doubts and struggles and a full-time job and things that come into his way. And uh, he he has the desire, but he doesn't know where to start, how how to organize things, what to do first, etc. So... What would you advise? I mean, based on your experience, uh, yeah. how who um, should start? I, I would start by writing, just writing anything every day, you know, just to get used to writing every day and to read. So what I started doing was rereading my favorite authors, but in a different way and understanding how they had structured the work mm-hmm. and how... The, the, the way they used the dialogue, the way they punctuated things, the way they described things, how they held my attention and the tricks that they start to use. Um, it probably helps if you do go on a course, some kind of training course. But um, I just 
learned from others. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, if you pick something which is um, very close to the sort of thing you'd like to write yourself, uh, then you can learn an awful lot from somebody else's work. And uh, I started writing a series of blog posts, actually, about famous authors. And I find it fascinating. Every month I pick a different author mm-hmm. and I read something of theirs and I look at how they work. And um, those have been very popular blog posts because um, a lot of people are fascinated in um, how people achieve what they do with writing. Okay, I see. So actually, since your blog is your main source of um, getting new readers for your books, how did you grow the blog in that case? I mean, well, what I did, mm-hmm. um, I joined uh, on. First of all, I started with Twitter, and I put all of my energies into Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I've got um, about thirteen and a half thousand followers on Twitter, uh-huh. but they're they're mostly um, what I call um, validated. In other words, they're either readers or potential readers, mm-hmm. or they're um, other authors with big readerships. Um, mm-hmm. They're not people that are trying to sell me a thousand Twitter followers, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not people in a completely different world to mine. And um, what I do then, there's a, a, a thing called Triber, T R I B R I. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's a, a a collection of like-minded people that uh-huh. share each other's tweets and oh, blog posts okay. on Twitter. I see. And um, if you just type in Triber, T-R-I-B-E-R-R, into Google, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And you join a group of people with the same interests as yourself. And then the deal is that when they post something on their blog and tweet it, um, it comes up in the the Triber feed. And with one click, uh, you can send it to all of your Twitter followers. Mm -hmm. So basically what you get is a huge leverage. So when I actually post a new post... Um, within a minute, it's had um, up to 100 views around the world. And then within a day, um, it's up to five or 600. And then in the month, um, I'm averaging um, the best I've ever had, I think, was about 10,000 in a month. But the average is about five or 6,000. But they're validated visitors. They're not just people that are coming there are people that come because they're interested in the topic basically mm-hmm. i see so it's so it's it's very good because it's you get the leverage you have uh, a very big audience potential audience and also the audience is already targeted yes. so uh, it's 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 it sounds and to it be, costs nothing and it costs nothing it's it's an, the ideal resource i think uh, we will yeah. have uh, the link to it in our uh, notes the podcast good. notes uh, for for the authors to check it out and try because apparently for you it worked very well because thir- I, this uh, amount of uh, 13,500, you said, Twitter followers? Yeah. That's that's a really uh, big uh, <laughs> followship. And it's a good audience. And what, what I do as well is I use lists within Twitter. So I've got, I've got lists for different things. So I've got a list for historical fiction and a list of people like yourself that um, uh, are of interest to authors. Mm-hmm. I call it tweeters for writers. I think you can see the list. If anybody goes into my Twitter lists, it's a public list. Okay. And it's hundreds of 
people on Twitter that tweet things that are of interest to authors. Uh-huh. And it means that I only have to spend a few minutes on Twitter every day because I can just go in, go to that list and just retweet a, a few things off of there mm-hmm. and guarantee that they will get a lot of interest from the right kind of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I see. So apparently from social media channels, uh, besides Twitter, which which one are you using also? Because Facebook, well, you said it it wasn't a very uh, successful channel for you, or um, no, I know which. I, what I I kept Facebook for my family. Uh-huh. So basically, I separated my family and my uh, writing life. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I wasn't really bothered with using Facebook as an author until this year when I decided to give it a go because. I, I had another series of blog posts which every month I was writing 10 tips for one particular type of social media. Uh-huh. So, you know, 10, 10 tips for using Google+. And the idea I had was when I'd written 10 posts, I had 100 tips and I published it as an e-book. Uh-huh. So it is, it is actually available. It's, it's only 99 cents. I give it away quite often to people as well, which is nice to be able to do. But it's 100 tips for... Um, online author platform building for authors Uh and um, within that of course I had to then address Facebook I couldn't leave it out Uh, there'd be this huge (laughs) hole in my um, in my book you see so I had to actually go through the steps of setting up my Facebook author account Um, but I don't think it's led to many book sales but that could be my fault because I'm putting my energy into Twitter rather than Facebook. Yeah. And another author has told me that most of her sales are through Facebook. So it's well, I, I think uh, I think since there are very very um, different social media channels and uh, people don't really have the time to follow them all and concentrate on all of them at the same time. Plus, after all, we have to write. <laughs> I, I, I guess the results come from the channel you concentrate on usually. Yeah, and that's you, a good idea. You end up choosing the one which you feel most comfortable with, and and then uh, I mean you. I think the realistic figure is just two or maximum three media channels to concentrate on because uh, otherwise you, you you just won't have time to do things efficiently on, on all of them. So depending uh, maybe on the person, uh, different channels are more suitable for, for different people and you end up having the results from those uh, which you spend most time in. Yeah, definitely, because it's a huge distraction, and um, if you're not very careful, you can spend more time than you would really need to on social media. That's yes. Um, And for example, Google+, when I post something on blog, it automatically gets put on Google+, without me doing anything, so Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing I like, Mm -hmm. because you get much more reach without actually doing anything at all and at no cost, but you do need to have... Um, the right circles in Google Plus um, so that people are actually seeing what you put there. Uh huh. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Um, so, uh, what will be the best place to connect with you? I mean, with your readers, um, do, is it your blog, I suppose? Uh, where yeah. They should- um, the, there's, the easiest way is to just go to Twitter at Tony Riches, one word. 
Mm-hmm. And um, or you can just go into Amazon and type in Tony Riches in books and all my books come up. And then I've got an author page there, which has got links to everything else. Okay. And um, a lot of authors, by the way, fail to use that. It's like a free website um, on Amazon. Yes. Uh, the, the annoying thing is there's 10 Amazons now around the world. And you can't, you can't um, what you put on your author page on one um, doesn't get carried through to the others. Yeah, you have to do them individually for each You have to market. do them, yeah. yeah. So there is that. So there's a little bit of time involved, but the return on that investment is good because if people are wondering whether or not to buy your book, they could well click on your name then and learn a little bit about you and think, oh, I'll give it a chance. And um, that's, I'm sure, how it leads to uh, more book sales then. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, What about, since we spoke about social media, what about Goodreads, since it's uh, the social media which is supposed to be the closest for the writers? So do you use that? Yeah, absolutely. Once again, I've got an RSS feed from my blog to Goodreads. Mm-hmm. And then um, I there's an option in Goodreads where you can uh, allow people to just um, connect with you on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. And um, so every time somebody connects with Goodreads, I accept that request. So I've got, uh, I don't know, um, 1800 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I know that they're reading my blog posts on Goodreads because I get comments from Goodreads. It -hmm. it does a really neat job of it. But you do need to set up a Goodreads author page as well. And a lot of people fail to do that. And what Goodreads gives you is a little kind of uh, silhouette person if you don't bother uploading a profile picture. And um, it's just a, um, a little tip for people to think about is to set up on Goodreads. It's all free set up an RSS link from their blog, and then they don't have to do very much else. Um, but what I have started doing in the last 12 months is every month I try and review somebody's book, mm-hmm. and I post the review on Goodreads and also on my blog, and then I tweet it around um, Twitter and the other social media. And that's working out really well because publishers are now sending me books um, unsolicited, mm-hmm. uh, as, they, as they're published, uh, the one I'm reading at the moment is the new, uh, the original novel of Spartacus, which mm-hmm. I never would have bought. Right? Uh-huh. It's, it's only just been published, not even released on general sale yet. And I'm going to be reviewing that on my blog, putting it on Goodreads, tweeting it around Twitter and the other social media. And um, you're um, associated with it then in some subtle way. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And it gives it gives you more credibility. Uh, that's because my niche that I'm addressing is historical fiction now. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'll never write another non-fiction book, uh, but that's where I'm, I'm interested in pursuing in the future. And which is easier? I, I don't know. I mean, I had a feeling that writing non-fiction is maybe uh, easier in a sense that um, it maybe it needs more this this to be disciplined and to to be more structured etc but uh, at least you don't have to come up with uh, original ideas with a storyline with new characters you you end up working with the materials which already exists mainly uh, so um, w- w- do you find any difference in terms of how e- which one is easier for you or non-fiction or fiction yeah I think 
Uh, writing fiction is more fun. Yeah. Uh, writing nonfiction feels like work, you know, especially exactly. writing a book on agile project management. That's what I used to do for a living. So it mm. felt like work. However, um, people might be interested to know that um, until recently, um, I was selling a hundred nonfiction books for every novel that I sold, at least. The ratio was a hundred to one. Uh-huh. So that's that's a phenomenal difference, isn't it? And it is. um, it's only now, um, having got three novels behind me, that that's starting to balance out. Mm. And um, which do is you, quite interesting, I think. Do you also have this feeling that uh, non-fiction books can be priced uh, higher than fiction ones? Or it's only me? <laughs> uh, no. The whole thing about um, book pricing is fascinating. I, I, I've got a guest poster on my blog um, this week. And her books, her e-book and her paperback book were the same price uh-huh. on Amazon. And so I've been encouraging her to think about that. And I've, my strategy that I've developed over the time is that um, to keep the paperback books about the same price as they would be in the shops, yeah? mm-hmm. um, so that um, I think you can price a paperback too cheaply and people look at it suspiciously. Um, but uh, the e-books, um, the sort of ephemeral nature of it is that um, – my non-fiction e-books are mostly uh, 99 cents, which is the minimum that Amazon uh-huh. will let you do it for, and will let me do it for. And then um, it's a case of sort of um, volume mm-hmm. rather than um, yeah. exclusivity. So I'd rather have high volume and um, go up the Amazon rankings and stuff like that. Uh, than sell less books um, but be more expensive each time. And I think a lot of book buyers, uh, I've recently, only this year, I bought a Kindle Paperwhite. It's mm-hmm. ironic because I, all this time I've been writing e-books and I never read an e-book on a Kindle. Ah, okay, I see. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I would like it, but I bought a Paperwhite and now um, – I'm using it most days. You get used to it, right? I mean, in the beginning, yeah. you think that it's not a real book. You you need the smell. You need to touch it, etc. I know. But what um, I like is that you can just um, touch a sentence and store it, and then when you're reviewing it later on, you can recall that sentence mm-hmm. um, in seconds and use and quote it in your review. Yeah. Isn't that a great feature? And uh, there's all things like that, but basically. Um, my Kindle uh, will hold, I don't know, 5,000 books. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think I'll ever have to delete one. And when I go on holiday, I've got books for every mood, really, just sitting there to yeah. be read. Yeah. You know? yeah, and it's small and doesn't take space and uh, all that. Well, so it, it, well, it we, has... we were talking about pricing, and I think if people are, are not sure, to look at the bestsellers – um, I, I talk about Amazon, but mm-hmm. um, I've also got my books on Smashwords where they're doing well for um, Apple and things like that, uh-huh. and um, Barnes and Noble. Because basically, when you publish your book on Smashwords, that costs nothing either, yeah. and they they send it off to Apple and Kobo and um, Barnes and Noble. And it's surprising that you go back and visit your Smashwords site; they've just put a new sales analysis feature there this week, mm-hmm. where you can see where your books are selling and how many of them and which books um, by month, by 30-day period. So I recommend that to anybody um, because I had a sudden surge 
of books on um, Apple, mm -hmm. which uh, I didn't do anything to encourage. It just happened, you know, mm. true smash words. And I think, look, look at what other people are pricing their books at that seem to be doing quite well, and you probably will be getting it about right. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay, so any uh, last encouragement words for, for our listeners who are uh, most probably thinking about or, or just started writing a book? Yes, I can say um, everybody has doubts. Even the famous authors have doubts. You know, J.K. Rowling was rejected by all the major publishers, and so were most of the famous authors. Um, I'd recommend a book which uh, I found very helpful. It's by Stephen King, who's one of my favorite on authors, writing. and it's on writing. Yes. And I think everybody, whether they've ever wanted to write or they wonder if they can, should read that book and keep it to hand, yeah, and perhaps even um, memorize some of the phrases out of it. Uh, the other thing I would say is that, uh, as you know, there's nothing better than actually holding in your hand a copy of a book that you've written that, and then to see people all over the world uh, enjoying it, yeah. um, that's a really satisfying thing. And, <laughs> you know, when you think these days um, – you really are making something out of nothing because there's not even – I don't even print out my manuscripts now. Mm -hmm. It's all it's all done in Word and uh, manipulated and all the editing is all done on, on um, electronic copies these days, you know. And um, so th there's very little sort of uh, waste in the process, is there really? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's very satisfying to see it working. And um, – you know, some people say it doesn't matter about the money, but um, it's also nice to see um, sales building up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is a business there for people that can be bothered or are interested in doing it. Yes, I think that uh, with the time, uh, at some point, when you reach the point where you succeed enough to make full-time income out of it, then you have the ideal situation when you can uh, do what you love most and just write. So, that's right. yeah. uh, and I think that's that's the basic dream of all uh, authors <laughs> to be able uh, just to write and that's all and and uh, enjoy the the results of their writings. Okay. Definitely, and it's a global community now as well, of course. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look at this. Um, you know, there's just a tiny little delay at this end, and I'm in remote rural Wales, and uh, you're on the other side of the world, three hours time difference and yeah. it's, it makes barely a second difference does it yes yes absolutely okay so thank you very much for coming to the show thank you very much for sharing your experience and your tips i hope uh, our listeners will get inspired in order to go back uh, write and inspire others in their thread okay well thanks. thank you very much for your time it's been lovely speaking <laughs> to you thanks a lot well, that was it for today. For the podcast notes, please visit www.annealexander.com slash 002. Also, if you would like to share love and help this podcast grow, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to it as well. Thanks a lot and see you in the next episode.